coming to you from the Eminem Studios in beautiful Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. Jabaloo Enterprises is proud to present the Health and Humor Show with your hosts Maureen Sullivan and Kevin Michaels. A mix of humor, education, and entertainment that we hope will amuse, educate, and enlighten you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Health and Humor Show for the week beginning May 1st, 2022. We are into another month here. Greetings again from your team at the Health and Humor Show coming to you on podbean.com. This is your co-host, Maureen Sullivan, and the better half of the team. Kevin Michaels. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you're listening. Yes, back to a uh, normal normal format, normal show. No more interviews this week, so <laughs> we'll get right to it here in just a couple minutes. But as always, first of all, our sponsors and our lame joke of the week. Okay, a shout out to the teams at UKHealthRadio.com, home of Health Triangle Magazine, and HamiltonRadio.net out of Trenton, New Jersey, with CEO and founder Jean Piero. Also, a shout out to the teams at Capra Garrison as a founder for PedagogyEducation.com and HumorOutcast.com with CEO and founder Donna Kavanaugh. A shout out to our friends also at Good Music Africa and Shakedown Radio out of Australia. But as a reminder, folks, coming to you on a platform podbean.com but we are also found on iHeartRadio and iTunes <clears throat> Google Podcast and Audible tune in Pandora and Spotify and if that's not enough if that's not enough dot coms well head on over to marinesullivanrn.com check out books up for sale links to shows that I've done and an ongoing health blog and so much more still with me folks well here's your lame joke of the week did you hear about the mathematician who's afraid of negative numbers? He will stop at nothing to avoid them. That's, that's kind of cute. Give it a second. It'll grow on you. It'll yeah, as, as most of them. It'll can. grow on you. You have to give it a little bit of thought, right? So, a little okay. bit. Well, it's been a while here, but let's get into our first segment of news. An unusual traffic stop was caught on camera in San Francisco when police pulled over a car that turned out to be completely unoccupied. The San Francisco Police Department confirmed officers stopped the vehicle in the Richmond District when it was observed driving after dark without its headlights activated. A video captured by a witness shows officers approaching the car after pulling it over and expressing surprise to find it empty. The autonomous vehicle was a taxi operated by Cruise, a company uh, majority owned by General Motors. Our AV yielded to the police vehicle, then pulled over to the nearest safe location for the traffic stop as intended. An officer contacted Cruise personnel and no citation was issued, Cruise tweeted. The company said San Francisco police are aware of how to deal with the driverless cars. We work closely with the SFPD on how to interact with our vehicles, including a dedicated phone number for them to call in situations like this, the company tweeted. Crew said a maintenance team took control of the car to deal with the headlight issue. I don't care. That would be weird. And I know someday mm -hmm. we'll see one of those, but <laughs> just to see a driverless vehicle going down the road, it's, it's just frightening to me, folks. It truly is, but... So, so many things can go wrong, right? So, I don't know. I'm not ready for that kind of progress. Well, a Philadelphia nurse broke a Guinness World Record when she donned her hospital scrubs and ran a marathon in 2 hours, 48 minutes, and 2 seconds. 
Sam Roker, who works full-time as a nurse at, Penn's Medi- at Penn Medicine's Perlman Center, wore her hospital scrubs at this year's Boston Marathon that broke the Guinness World Record for fastest marathon in a nurse's uniform, a female. The previous record of 3 hours, 8 minutes, and 22 seconds was set by Jessica Anderson at the London Marathon in 2019. Roker dedicated her record attempt to raise awareness uh, of the mental health challenges facing nurses amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Her run raised more than $45,000 for mental health services. A lot of anxiety, a lot of PTSD, there's not really a lot of resources out there, Roker said, of the mental health issues faced by nurses. I kind of saw that gap and was looking for a way to bring some of to bring some kind of positivity to my co-workers and friends who have been struggling. Good uh, good cause. She's my hero. Sure. My hero. Mm-hmm. I wish that got more coverage. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was the only place I just saw. One place just happened to run across it. So. Well, a woman's tense encounter with a territorial goose was caught on camera in a Florida parking lot. Victoria Willard, who posted the video on TikTok, said she started recording the bird in the parking lot of the building where she works in Jacksonville after her supervisor reported the territorial bird had attacked him while he was walking to the building. Willard recorded as a woman apparently came too close to the goose's nest, causing the bird to attack and chase her. The woman dropped numerous items while fleeing the goose, but another driver pulled... uh, pulled her vehicle in between the woman and the bird, allowing her to recover her belongings. Willard said in a follow-up video, the goose's eggs has hatched and the gosling has been seen wandering around the parking lot with his parents. Finally, now we can get to work safely each morning, Willard wrote, Willard wrote in her video caption. Now, those geese can be mean, nasty creatures, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, especially when they're nesting. So, Just a word of warning to anyone that is not aware of that. Well, finally, for this first segment of news here, one individual in Ireland made 12,272 noise complaints against Dublin Airport in 2021, according to airport operator DAA. The unidentified person averaged 34 complaints a day and accounted for 90% of all complaints received by DAA about aircraft takeoffs and landings at the location. The total complaints last year totaled 13,569, but would have been only 1,296 if cases by the individual were not counted. The individual, who, as you probably guessed, lives in northwest Dublin uh, near the airport, had previously made 6,227 complaints in 2020, almost double what they did in 2021. The complaints are uh, continuing in 2022 with the person having already filed 5,276 notices, a daily average of 59. Most complaints are filed uh, by those who live near the airport and are on flight paths. Most complaints are also about aircraft being used at night. DAA says it has responded to each individual complaint and says airport operators are committed to working with communities on issues such as aircraft noise. DAA has also introduced an online system known as WebTrack that gives details on flight paths and noise levels from aircraft using Dublin Airport. WebTrack also makes it easier to submit 
noise complaints. Well, a couple of things come to mind to me. For one thing, if you're making 60 complaints a day, <laughs> what else are you doing with your time <laughs> other than that? And I'm sorry, we've said that before. When you move near an airport, you have to expect that you're going to have noise from airplanes. And it's not like, I actually researched it just to make sure. I was assuming the Dublin airport had been there for quite some time, and it was built in 1940. I'm going to assume this person that is complaining has moved there since 1940, so hence since the Dublin airport was built. So just my thought that, um, you know, again, if you live near an airport, you just can't complain, right? I think the complaints... Be, had to become rather repetitious after a while. There's only yeah. so much in a written I mean, form complaint you probably can probably have one dedicated person that just deals with this person's complaints. Yeah, it's called Miss <laughs> Spambox. Yeah, make a call every day. Okay, about your 60 complaints yeah. today. <laughs> All right, anyway. Okay, got some uh, health news for you here. The United States Preventative Service Task Force, guess what, folks, no longer recommends taking aspirin every day to prevent a heart attack. The advisory group, which is made up of some of the top doctors in the country, said that a daily regimen of low-dose aspirin does not help prevent a heart attack and in some cases can cause other issues such as bleeding in the stomach and brain. The task force said that people over 60 should not start taking aspirin every day if they are healthy. Based on current evidence, the task force recommends against people 60 and older starting to take aspirin to prevent a first heart attack or stroke, Dr. Michael Berry, task force vice chair, said in a press release. For people between the ages of 40 and 59, they said the decision on whether to take aspirin should be made in consultation with a doctor based on specific circumstances and medical conditions. If you are really healthy, if you're a healthy 40-year-old with no major risk factors, you will do more harm than good with daily aspirin. Your risk of bleeding will exceed the benefits, said Dr. Stephen Nissen, uh, Chair of Cardiovascular Medicine at Cleveland Clinic, who was not involved in the new guidelines um, at the time the research was done. People need to understand that aspirin is not a completely benign or innocent therapy. If you have previously had a heart attack or other cardiovascular condition, taking aspirin could still be helpful in preventing a second heart attack or stroke. In secondary prevention, aspirin is important. If you had a stent and if you've had a myocardial infarction or a stroke, for all those people, aspirin works. It provides a modest but definite benefit. The takeaway here, folks, let me just synopsis this in a rather small amount of words here. If you're over 60 and you haven't been taking aspirin, don't start taking aspirin now unless advised by a doctor. If you're younger than 60 and you've been taking aspirin, continue taking aspirin until otherwise advised by your doctor. There may be something to talk to your doctor <laughs> about because a lot of people just think, you know, aspirin is like a vitamin. And I mean, I remember years ago when the, the advice aspirin. first came out about taking a baby aspirin and it just seemed like the advice then, I believe, at the time, you probably remember probably better than I because you were in healthcare. I wasn't at the time, but um, that, you know, it basically seemed like it was just the blanket advice for everyone. Oh, taking mm -hmm. baby aspirin every day, it won't hurt you, you know. The takeaway here, obviously, as it was hinted several times, is speak with your 
medical provider before right. starting or stopping an right. aspirin exactly. therapy. It is recommended in many uh, healthcare conditions mm-hmm. uh, to lower the risk of secondary complications. But I do like what it said here. People need to understand that aspirin is not a completely benign mm-hmm. or innocent therapy. Again, as you pointed out, just because it's over the counter and you don't need it without a prescription doesn't mean you need to be taking it. Right. Uh, definitely does cause bleeding. And this... Know. Another word of caution, this is about the baby aspirin, 81 milligrams. For the love of God, and I say this Mm -hmm. sincerely having watched really bad Mm -hmm. outcomes, you know, they usually cost a little bit more than your basic adult aspirin, which is 325 milligrams. Do not, do not, do not substitute a full dose 325 to get the same effect as an 81 milligram. That's three times more. Exactly. Three times higher dose. No, it's four. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we're back to the basic math here. Okay, we continue. I digress. Check with your healthcare provider. Okay, so where are we at about the mask mandate? Well, here you go again, folks. And it's a COVID update. Yay, start the applause. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is extending the mask mandate on public transportation for an additional 15 days. Now, it was uh, going to be extended to May 3rd, which will be sometime this week. I tend to think it's still going to be extended again based on some circumstances as is rising cases of COVIDs in certain pockets of countries. The CDC cited an increase in cases in April in its decision to renew the mandate, which covers buses, planes, trains, and transportation hubs such as airports and bus terminals. Since early April, there has been increases in the seven-day moving average of cases in the United States in order to assess the potential impact that the rise of cases has on severe disease, including hospitalizations and deaths, healthcare system capacity, the CDC order remains in place at this time. The decision comes despite a push by the airline industry to rescind the rule. Flight attendants and gate agents have been struggling to deal with unruly passengers who do not want to wear masks. The persistent and steady decline of hospitalization and death rates are the most compelling indicators that our country is well protected against the severe disease of COVID-19 The CEOs of 10 airlines wrote in a letter to our President Joe Biden last month, now is the time for the administration to set federal transportation travel restrictions, including international pre-departure testing requirements and federal mask mandates that are no longer aligned with the realities of the current epidemiologic environment. I kind of got mixed emotions on this as we've talked offline here before. Um, We have upcoming travel and I tell you, I, I think I'm more comfortable wearing a mask. And the mm-hmm. irony is, people wear masks for many reasons nowadays. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, even though you you don't have to anymore. I mean, they they did you know they did rescind that. But uh, yeah, we're not planning on flying until July. We have not flown yet since COVID. But uh, I think I'll wear a mask just to be safe. I mean, nothing says, folks, that you can't wear a mask, even if they tell you you don't have to wear a mask. Like I said, many people are wearing them and don't, you know, I hate saying this because it should be common knowledge, but don't assume that even if all the mask mandates were lifted, that people wearing masks are in defiance of a COVID-related mask thing. People are wearing them if they're immunocompromised, Mm. if they have lung issues, you know, if they have, a lot of people are wearing them because they have dental issues. They just prefer to have a mask on. I think the new norm of not wearing a mask is ironically going to be a little more uncomfortable than we all anticipate. Mm-hmm. But again, as I say this, uh, mm-hmm. rising cases in other countries, our top leaders here are coming down with COVID infections. 
you know, at this point, they're just asymptomatic, and uh, obviously they've been boosted and they're getting their antivirals, but as, as it's been implied throughout this whole pandemic, it's something I think, I agree with this statement, we're just gonna have to learn to live with coronavirus as we did with the influenza virus. I don't right. think it's ever going to be totally gone, but do everything you can possibly do to keep it out of your household, folks. For sure, for sure. And there you go, back to you. All right. Well, a woman protesting the mass killing of chickens tried to glue herself to a basketball court recently during a play-in game between the host Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers. While TNT announcers Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller tried to figure out what was going on, as personnel surrounded the protester near the baseline, sideline reporter Allie LaForce said the interloper tried to glue herself to the floor and was resisting security. The protester left a white handprint on the hardwood one photo showed. The animal rights group Direct Action Everywhere confirmed the motive in a news release identifying the activist as Alicia Centurio. Centurio wore a t-shirt saying, Glenn Taylor roasts animals alive to protest the mass killing of chickens amid an avian flu outbreak on Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor's Iowa egg farm, according to the release. The group alleged the suffocation method used to kill the birds was inhumane and against state law. A laughing centurio still wearing her shirt and trending on Twitter as hashtag glue girl later took to the platform to say her stunt was to raise awareness of direct action everywhere's investigation of Taylor's farm. Uh, Centurio was not jailed. Well, a Florida bride and her caterer were arrested recently for allegedly lacing food with marijuana during a wedding last February. The bride, Dania Glennie, and her caterer, Jocelyn Bryant, are both facing charges of tampering, culpable negligence, and delivery of marijuana. Bryant of Jocelyn's Southern Kitchen described herself as a holistic chef according to her website. The wedding, which was attended by around 30 to 40 guests, took place at Springs Clubhouse in Longwood, Florida. When deputies were called to the scene, they spoke with a male guest who reportedly requested an ambulance because he was feeling weird and said he felt like he had drugs inside of him. Several other attendees were transported and treated at local hospitals after they experienced sickness and feelings of being high or stoned. Authorities collected multiple items served at the ceremony, including chocolate-covered strawberries, bread, cookies, brownies, pudding shots, and a handful of lasagna. The police reports say the lasagna and a piece of bread tested positive for THC. Glennie and Bryant both turned themselves in to authorities. How about that <laughs> pudding shots? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've heard about people finding McDonald's items that are a few years old, but this is a new one. An Illinois man stumbled upon a bag of food from the fast food juggernaut that dates back six decades. The man, identified only as Rob, found the 60-year-old bag of McDonald's wrapped up in an old rag, and it even had a few french fries still in the box, Rob said on a Reddit post. He said the bag was stuck in the original plaster behind an old toilet paper holder. Rob also commented that he lives close to one of the original locations in Crystal Lakes, Illinois, that opened way back in 1959. Our house was built in 1959, and pretty sure these have been there since. Still perfectly crispy, he said. 
Some commenters encouraged Rob to sell the bag, commenting that he could probably get a hefty sum for it. I'll bet he probably could, right? All right, and finally for this segment, um, a Florida sheriff invited a homeowner who shot at a would-be robber to attend a gun safety course to learn to shoot a lot better and save the taxpayers money. Only in Florida, right? Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson made the comment during a conference regarding the arrest of a 32-year-old man who was breaking into a house in Pace, Florida. If someone is breaking into your house, you're more than welcome to shoot at them in Santa Rosa County, he said. Or he said that the sheriff's office conducts a gun safety course every other Saturday. So there you go. There's always that. And with that, we'll move right on to my always favorite segment, Maureen's Diabetic Corner. The Health and Humor Show is proud to present the Diabetic Corner, where we promise that all your diabetic questions will be answered or your money back. Now here's your host, Maureen Sullivan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Diabetic Corner. We got a twofer for you, two articles this week, a bonus one, because you're such loyal listeners. The first one, a new study has found a link between artificial sweeteners used in diet sodas and other snacks and cancer. A team of researchers from Sorbonne, Paris, North University, and the French Network for Nutrition and Cancer Research poured over nearly a decade of health data from over 100,000 people and found that those who consume products with artificial sweeteners were 13% more likely to develop cancer than those who didn't. Aspartame, which is the most commonly used artificial sweetener, was associated with the highest risk of developing breast and obesity-related cancers. People who consume products with sucralose had the lowest risk of developing cancer, though the study authors noted that exposure to the artificial sweetener was significantly lower than other sweeteners. The study authors said they were concerned about the abundant use of artificial sweeteners and do not believe they should be used in foods or beverages as an alternative to sugar. In line with official recommendations from several public health agencies, these findings do not support the use of artificial sweeteners as safe alternatives for sugar in foods or beverages. The recommendation is to limit processed foods with either added sugar or artificial sweeteners. This objective must be achieved by reducing the overall sweet taste of food and this from an early age. So a word of warning, if your dietary intake has a preponderance, an overload of aspartame products such as mine used to do before I gave up the Diet Coke aspartame link here. Okay, and second, the bonus article, a little bit longer, study finds COVID infection linked to heightened diabetic risk. A new study examining patients' medical records has found that people who recovered from COVID-19 had a heightened risk of being diagnosed with diabetes within a year of infection compared with someone who had not been infected. The study, published recently in the journal Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology, found that roughly two in 100 people who tested positive for the virus were later diagnosed with diabetes. This was no matter the severity of the COVID infection, including those who were asymptomatic, or if the patient had any prior risk factors for developing diabetes. 
It's happening in some cases where people had no risk factors at all, meaning they were not obese, they did not have high cholesterol, they did not have any manifestations that would be considered risk factors for diabetes, said the Chief of Research and Development at Veterans Affairs St. Louis Healthcare System, who is a clinical epidemiologist at Washington University in St. Louis. The study examined the records of 181,000 plus people, the Departments of Veteran Affairs patients who tested positive for COVID-19 between March 1st of 2020 and September 30th of 2021. These records were compared with more than 8 million VA patients who either had not tested positive or who received VA care in the past two years prior to the pandemic and they were diagnosed with the virus were 46% more likely to develop diabetes or be prescribed medications to control blood sugar. The vast majority of the participants found to have been diagnosed with diabetes had type two diabetes rather than type one. And type two diabetes, just remember, is a condition in which the pancreas makes insufficient amounts of hormone insulin, which regulates the movement of sugar into cells. And when insulin levels are too low, sugar levels can get too high in the bloodstream, potentially leading to disorders of circulation, nervous and immune system issues. As for why the diabetic risk would increase after infection, the researchers say they think it is related to how the body's immune system responded to the virus, which triggers inflammation and that impaired insulin secretion and sensitivity. Um, furthermore, a program director at the National Institutes of Health, National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases reviewed the study and told the Wall Street Journal that it's very well done. Maintain, uh, main limitation was the patient's demographics with VA patients generally tending to be older and sicker and to include more males than in a broader population. But, I mean, it is a, a closed uh, population study for that reason alone here. Other post-pandemic studies have sounded similar alarms with the association between COVID-19 and diabetes. The coronavirus now is known to cause not just respiratory symptoms, but also long-term effects on multiple organ systems, such as kidneys, skin, the GI tract, the heart, and the brain. Some of these effects, which have been called long COVID, can last for weeks or months or even more. That study in conclusion also found no direct cause and effect. It suggested that the diabetes diagnosis could be the result of the virus's effect on organ systems involved in diabetic risks, such as pancreatic cells. It also suggested that weight gain during the pandemic may have indirectly increased the risk for diabetes development. Another report by the CDC last fall found that the body mass index for children and teenagers roughly doubled during the pandemic and that was a sole factor in increasing the risk for diabetes. The largest increases uh, were seen among youths who were already overweight or obese or those who were younger school age students. So lots of direct and indirect links between the development of diabetes and coronavirus, the pandemic, and I think even regardless of whether or not you're infected with the actual virus. So. Lots of stuff that all comes back to the fact that we have to own our health here, take good care of our health. Week after week here, we promote preventative medicine, behavioral health, and we promote lifestyle changes just to get in your best healthy version of yourself. And now I step off my soapbox and I close out another episode of the Diabetic Corner. <laughs>
Hammer Show again next week for another thrilling episode of the Diabetic Corner featuring Maureen Sullivan. We hope to see you then. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get into our last segment of news here. A California resident got quite... Oh, sorry about that. Now let's try this again as we'll get back into our last segment of news here. A California resident got quite the surprise when they discovered that a family of five black bears had been hibernating beneath their home for the past several months. The word realization came to light recently when the organization Bear League shared their hair-raising account on social media. According to the group, which works to support people living in harmony with bears, the strangeness began when an unnamed individual who rents a house in the city of South Lake Tahoe noticed a series of strange, rumbling, snoring-like noises emanating from beneath their floorboards. Although understandably puzzled by what they were hearing, the renter initially opted to ignore the sounds, that they simply didn't make sense. I don't know if that was a wise decision, but... Uh, That confusion was compounded when the person asked their neighbors about the noises and their concerns were dismissed as being imagined because no one else could hear the curious commotion. However, as winter turned to spring in South Lake Tahoe, the residents soon concluded that the cacophony coming from under the home was not merely something in their mind, but they began to think perhaps it could be coming from a bear. Enlisting the animal advocacy group to investigate, the renter's concerns were quickly confirmed when it was discovered that a whopping five black bears, consisting of an adult female and four cubs, had taken up residence beneath the house by way of an unsecured crawlspace opening. The organization speculated that the animals had entered the area sometime around December and had largely gone unnoticed and undisturbed for the last few months until finally waking up from their slumber last week. Fortunately, the creatures exited the spot with only a little coaxing um, needed, and uh, the home appears to have not been damaged by the surprising squatters. How did you just ignore hearing snoring sounds under your floorboards? (laughs) That's a little little odd. Well, a dream house for a person who finds peace and isolation is up for sale for just $339,000. It is named the world's loneliest home. The tiny house is located on an island which is called Duck Ledges Island, nestled between the Acadia National Park and the Canadian border. The house is completely isolated but with a breathtaking view of the sea. It was built in 2009 on one and a half acres of land and is just 540 square feet with one bedroom and a small kitchen. With incredible ocean views, the person who buys the house will never have to worry about traffic noise or the chatter of overly friendly neighbors. However, the island is loaded with seals. To maximize the inside space, the bathroom is located in an outhouse. The ledges surrounding the island are loaded with seals for constant entertainment. As it has no trees, it offers a view of nature that you can't find anywhere else, according to a property service which has listed the property. Uh, they, uh, Yeah, that's what they say in the listing. Uh, why choose between island time or alone time when you can have both? This main cottage comes with its own island, 
where the seals are your only neighbors, according to the listing. So there you go. I don't know, for a 540-square-foot house with an outhouse. <laughs> Again, know. it's very lonely. <laughs> yeah, don't know that uh, you'd really want some peace and isolation for to pay that kind of money, I guess. But All right. Ah, well, let's see. A Republican lawmaker who wanted to refer to himself as the Patriot on the ballot can't use that nickname. The Oklahoma Election Board has ruled. The board decided recently that uh, term-limited state representative Sean Roberts can still run for Oklahoma Labor Commissioner, but he can't refer to himself by that nickname. Oklahoma election rules allow a candidate to use a nickname if it's a name the candidate is generally known by or who does business using the nickname. Robert's opponent, Republican Labor Commissioner Leslie Osborne, said there's no evidence Roberts is known as the Patriot. She pointed out uh, in her petition to the board that Roberts has appeared on the ballot in seven successive elections as Kevin Sean Roberts or Sean Roberts. Robert said in a statement he's considering appealing the board's decision. Well, a woman has been arrested months uh, after threatening to blow up her son's high school unless cafeteria workers started giving him more food. There you go. The uh, threat was uh, left February 3rd in a voicemail to Cocoa High School on Florida's Atlantic coast. The 41-year-old woman was arrested and charged with making a false bomb threat and disruption of a school. She did not leave her name on the voicemail, but the school's caller ID recorded her number. <laughs> Staff members at the school listened to the message the next morning and contacted Coco Police. The school was evacuated, but no weapons or explosive devices were found. Investigators located the woman's phone number in school records, and a resource officer confirmed that her child had gotten in an, into an argument February 3rd with the cafeteria worker because he wanted more food. The state attorney's office filed paperwork ordering the woman's arrest, and she was arrested shortly thereafter. So, a growing boy, right? <laughs> a growing Florida boy. So, all right. Yay for caller ID, huh? Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, well, we're going to leave Florida, but uh, I'm still going to leave you with a strange one here. A woman had to be rescued by firefighters after falling into a toilet while trying to find her mobile phone that had accidentally been dropped into it. The woman, who was not named, was at the top of Mount Walker in the Olympic National Forest, northwest of Seattle, when the incident occurred. She had been using her phone when it suddenly fell into a vault toilet. A vault toilet is a non-flush toilet which is constructed with a vault or steel container that is buried deep down in the ground. Uh, Brennan Fire Department Chief Tim Manley said the woman, aged in her 40s, or in other words, old enough to know better, managed to take the toilet seat off and use dog leads to try to get the phone. When this didn't work, she used the leads to tie herself to the toilet as she reached for it, but this resulted in her falling in head first. Oh, my. <laughs> Chief Manley commented, that didn't work well, and in she went. So, wow. You think the phone was worth it? 
I think I'd just write off that phone and get another one. <laughs> Nothing in life is worth that. Nothing. No, for sure. Head first into a toilet. And that would be something similar to like an outhouse, I'm guessing. Right? So, mm -hmm. And I think most of us know how an outhouse smells. So you can imagine going face first into that. Well, okay. <laughs> okay, folks, I'm going to close this out with an interesting article that I'm learning more about each passing day here. Our house is divided. One of us, not me, is right-handed, and one of us, me, is left-handed. And the article is stating uh, how left-handed people think and feel differently. Being a lefty is far from a disadvantage. Interesting, because I remember as a child, it was deemed a disadvantage. Well, yeah, <laughs> you went to Catholic school yep. in, the, in the 60s, right? So, uh, and the nuns used to smack your hands with crack, the ruler Crack for with the ruler, because you were right-handed, or you weren't right-handed, rather. It says, lefties historically have had a tendency to get left behind. Until relatively recently, being left-handed was stigmatized, sometimes as an abnormality or a sign of weakness. Left-handed children were forced to learn to write with their right hands, often to their significant disadvantage. Of course, we know now that there is nothing wrong with being left-handed. As University of Toledo psychologist Stephen Christman explained in Scientific American, there's almost no evidence, almost <laughs> no evidence, to suggest that lefties are at any sort a physical or psychological disadvantage. Suddenly I feel crippled here. <laughs> For one thing, lefties have, comprom or have comprised rather 10 to 15% of the general population for thousands of years. In fact, uh, the trait has remained stable over many generations, suggesting that left-handedness is, is not an evolutionary weakness as many psychologists of the past believed. Oh my goodness, evolutionary weakness. But handedness does come with certain physiological and neurological differences. Research remains incomplete, but here are some quick things we know about the unique cognitive and psychological profiles of the left-handed. They may be quick thinkers. There you have it, folks. Lefties may be able to put to use both sides of their brain more easily and efficiently. According to an Australian study in 2006, Left-handed people tend to have faster connections between the right and left hemispheres of the brain, which leads to quicker information processing. The study authors measured participants' performances on a task that assessed transfer time between brain hemispheres and one that required them to use both sides of their brain at the same time. The research revealed that left-handed participants were faster at processing information across the two sides of the brain, a cognitive advantage, that could benefit them in things like video games and sports. Well, <laughs> so much for the sports here. Mm -hmm. They may be left favoring in a decision-making process. The hand you use may have a surprising effect on the way you judge abstract ideas like values, intelligence, and honesty. A 2009 Stanford study found that left-handedness and right-handed people may engage in implicit favoring of their dominant side. Hmm. In a study, participants viewed two columns of illustrations and were asked to judge which seemed more happy, honest, intelligent, and attractive. Well, the left-handers chose the left column and the right-handers chose the right column. For left-handed people, they think good stuff is on the left side and bad stuff is on the right, even though consciously, explicitly, everything in language and culture is telling them the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Another point here, <clears throat> their brains may organize emotion differently. 
Your dominant hand may determine how your emotions are arranged in your brain. A 2012 study published in the journal PLOS 1 found that in left-handers, motivation was associated with greater activity in the right hemisphere of the brain, while the opposite was true in right-handers. This may have important implications in caring for anxiety and mood disorders, which are sometimes used uh, are treated using brain stimulation to increase neural activity in the left hemisphere. Given what we know here, the treatment which helps right-handers may be detrimental to left-handers, the exact opposite of what they need. And finally, and no arguments here, lefties may be more creative thinkers. Studies have suggested a link between left-handedness and creativity. Some research has found that lefties are better at divergent thinking. However, it's important to note that studies show correlation, not causality. So the feelings and the findings aren't mutually conclusive. What? <laughs> in closing, there's uh, growing up in the left-handed minority and seeing themselves as different from their peers. Some children may come to develop what's known as an outsider's mindset or a tendency to have a self-image that's more individualized rather than group-oriented. Such a mindset can predispose a person to develop the qualities like independence and nonconformity, which psychologists have linked to creative thinking and innovation. Need I say more, folks? Proud to be left-handed. And actually, because I was left-handed and that wasn't real welcomed in the uh, childhood years, I am full-fledged ambidextrous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so left-handed, prominent. Dominant, but ambidextrous when need be. So yeah, it's funny because we both are, and I mean, I I do write right-handed, but I do many things left-handed as well. So you know, and many things equally or some things better left-handed than right-handed. So that's uh, a great article, though. I agree with it. I agree. We organize emotions differently. We're more creative. Who wouldn't disagree, right? <laughs> I don't know that when I said about the columns, the division of columns, that the left-handed people would choose mm -hmm. the left that's, column. That's interesting. Yeah. But also, I think there's one here. They may be quick thinkers. They're quick thinkers, but they're long-term uh, analyzers. <laughs> yeah. I, we all we all know though what the uh, what the uh, Latin word for left is, right? No, tell us all. We're really? listening. Tell us. Sinister. Oh, who is this man here that is on my left? <laughs> For those of you not on in the, the viewing audience, side. yes, it's on my left here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what can I say? It's another week. We made it. We're already in month five of a crazy year. And I could have said the same thing in uh, May of uh, 2021 and May of 2020. Uh, Isn't it sad that we are still saying it after two years? Yeah. Who'd I ever thought? Uh, the world has some crazy things going on. As always, our hearts, our prayers uh, for peace for the situation in Ukraine. Uh, I hope this, uh, as I did every day here, hope this comes to a uh, expedited quick ending here uh, and people are able to return to their homes here. Uh, the news is bleak here. We have to learn to love each other, folks. Love each other. Protect yourselves, better your health, protect your families, and uh, whether you're left-handed or right-handed, you know. Peace take, and love. Take Peace it all and love, in. Take as, it as Ringo all in. says. Yes. Yeah. That means, Another left-hander, by the yes. way. Yes. <laughs> 
Shout out Paul McCartney. Along with Paul McCartney. Half of the Beatles were (laughs) left-handed. Need I say more creative it is here. That being said, let me remind you, Actually, the two Beatles that are still alive are (laughs) left-handed. Need we say more. We are coming to you on podbean.com, thehealthandhumorshow.podbean.com. We're also located on iHeartRadio and iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Audible, TuneIn, Pandora, and Spotify. We want to give a shout-out to our friends at Shakedown Radio out of Australia, as well as Good Music Africa, our friends at humoroutcast.com, and our friends at pedagogyeducation.com. Last but never least, folks, please check out UKHealthRadio.com, home of Health Triangle Magazine, and HamiltonRadio.net out of Trenton, New Jersey, with CEO and founder Gene Piero. Weekly Without Fail, they promote us on multiple platforms and give us very high rankings and loyal listenership here. At the end of the day, check out my website, MaureenSullivanRN.com, where we tie it all in together here. But in the meantime, have a safe, healthy, and happy week. We love you. Take care. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you all back here next time for another installment of the Health and Humor Show. For now, stay healthy, stay happy, and most of all, stay tuned for the next entertainment-packed episode.